Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey there. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Are you guys doing anything for Halloween? Oh, I know it's like pretty much canceled. But... Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I don't even know what our town is doing. I don't have any little kids. So I'm not really paying attention. My right. guess is it's been canceled like most places, but that does not mean that I won't want to make like delicious, terrible things to eat, like yes. caramel apples or something. Oh my gosh. I love it. I could never tolerate caramel apples. Uh, I like them. I love them. Yeah. Same thing in our house. Our town did not cancel trick-or-treating. Oh, wow. The towns around us did. Oh, so, your town's going to be busy. Well, I don't, we're not going to participate. Yeah. My son, who's 10, was like, oh, at least we get to go trick-or-treating. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> You're not going house to house during right. a pandemic. I'm sorry. Right. So he was a little mad. But then he and Brooke, his big sister, she was like, we'll make TikToks all night oh, in our classroom. Yeah. So now he's happy again. Oh, good. What a good he idea. Just, like, spending time with their kids. Right. So now he's like, Brooke's going to make TikTok videos right. with me, which is super right. cute. Right. Right. Yeah. I think we'll just like make some like popcorn or and Halloween snacks and put a fire in the fireplace and just watch Good. scary movies. But I also don't want to <laughs> drop a whole ton of money on costumes either. Right. So you could do a contest in your family of everybody go through their closets, come up with the best costume and like do a contest or something based on what you have. That's true. Since it's a different kind of Halloween mm -hmm. and there's oh. enough of you to make it fun. Hey, Summer. Yeah, we have Summer here today again and she's got a lot to say. So you might hear her in the background. Okay. Yeah, I'll do my best to keep her happy. All right. Let's go right into our favorite of the week segment. Ooh, I like my favorite this week. You go first then, my okay. dear. <laughs> so speaking of caramel apples, I got a tip for a great fall cocktail that I did make the other day, and it was delicious, which is apple cider and mixed with salted caramel vodka. And take the rim of the glass and dip it in some, like, caramel, maybe add a little cinnamon, whatever you want. And you can have a delicious fall cocktail that way. So I'm always up for trying something new. I did think it was delicious. It was a little sweet for me. Over time, I was like, okay, can't drink the whole thing. Which it wasn't even big, big to begin with, but I'm not a big sweet drink mm. person. But it was tasty for those who might like that kind of thing. Nice. That does sound good. And if you wanted to make a non-alcoholic, it sounds like something you could do easily. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you could do something. A salted caramel, like syrup or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's like, they have also like coffee creamers that are, you know, different. Yeah. You could have fun with it. This is a new bottle for her today. Let's see. So my favorite of the week is the EWG website. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of that. I used to hear people talk about it all the time and I don't hear people talk about it that much. So EWG is if you go to EWG.org and what it does is you put in a product, like a, a beauty product that you want to try, like makeup, skincare, sun, hand lotion, and it gives you a rating of how safe it is depending on 
the ingredients. Oh my gracious, yes. that's great. I believe there's an app too. So the higher the reading, the more toxic the ingredients are. And this is, this is all based on research. This isn't like a hippie thing. Right. <laughs> I mean, like everything's toxic now, right. but it really does go through. And it's surprising. Like sometimes you know, the marketing on the bottles, like all natural and safe. And then you put it in the database and it's like, no, this scores a 10 because oh of these gracious. ingredients. Yeah. Wow. That's a good thing to yeah. know. And they even have a certification where that products, if they fit into a safe category, they can have that on their packaging saying wow. that they're considered a safe product. So I thought that was super cool. To be honest, I'm kind of the person where if you tell me that putting pure gasoline on my eyes will get rid of my wrinkles, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to my kids, as usual, we treat our kids better than we treat ourselves. (laughs) I'm a little more cautious about what I use on their skin, especially since my girls have eczema. Yeah. And so if we don't like take preventive actions, it clears up, especially yeah. on this time of year when it's getting colder. Yeah. My yeah. whole family, everybody has eczema. So you have to be mm. so careful with what you put on your skin, what you yeah. eat, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the website for that oh, is ewg.org. Like and I do believe that they have an app and it looks like that you can get a guide for choosing safer personal care products. Oh, oh and they even, they even have a shopper's guide to pesticides and produce. So oh, pretty cool. Very cool. That's a good one. That's a great tip. All right. Hey, everyone. I know that having a baby can be a little overwhelming and confusing. If you're looking for a place where you can get all your childbirth prenatal education needs, visit ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. Nicole and I are offering right now an online virtual childbirth educating education class a prenatal breastfeeding class, and we're soon launching a prenatal newborn care class and a prenatal sleep education course so you can learn all about infant sleep even before the baby comes. So I'm going to drop that link in the notes and you can check it out and we hope to see you there. Let's move on to questions from listeners. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What's this week's question? I remember I read it and it had to do with the question was, do foods that I ingest affect the baby when breastfeeding? Mm. If I eat things, you know, my mother told me not to eat broccoli, that it can bother the baby. Mm-hmm. So um, is that true or not? I don't know. What's your take on that? So the studies show that what you eat doesn't really affect the baby in terms of like gas and reflux, what you eat can affect your health, mm-hmm. which can affect your milk supply, which mm-hmm. can affect the baby, mm-hmm. but not directly per se in most cases. So yeah. like if you have broccoli and then your baby's gassy, it's probably because they're a baby mm-hmm. and not because you ate broccoli. Mm-hmm. So generally we want to encourage parents to eat healthy, nourishing foods. Right. Um, there are a few things that Nursing parents can be deficient in magnesium, calcium, folate, zinc, vitamin B6, Mm -hmm. or B12. So it's important to eat healthy and get all those um, vitamins in. But, you know, with rare cases, you can eat and drink whatever you like. Now, in some rare cases, there is the baby would be intolerant to something in your diet. And symptoms of that would be like fussiness, persistent diaper rash or eczema on the skin, blood or mucus in the stool. Right. Sometimes they get upset when they go to eat 
although the research goes back and forth on that one. But usually when that happens, the top culprits are dairy, soy, and wheat. Right. Not broccoli. Right. I know that um, Summer's mom had to go dairy-free, and she mm. is vegetarian, so a lot of her diet has consisted of cheese. Yes. And so now she has had to cut all of it out mm-hmm. and is buying, you know, like vegan cheese and things like that. And Summer's just, you know, she definitely she had blood in her poop. Yeah, our stools and mom breastfeeds and pumps and supplements with soy when the baby's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's baby. tough because some studies show that if you have an intolerance to dairy, you also will likely have an intolerance to soy. So sometimes parents yeah. have to take both out. Yeah. I know my summer, my second born, yeah. <laughs> was intolerant to dairy and I went dairy free. I did not have to go soy free, yeah. thankfully, but it did make a huge difference. And we got so used to it that she has completely outgrown her dairy intolerance. Nice. But we still drink plant milk because now right. cow's milk kind of tastes gross to us. Yeah, we don't. Besides hot cream in my coffee, I, we, do, um, we do plant-based milk as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Great question. Yeah. This week, we're going to be interviewing Mallory Whitmore. Mallory has an Instagram account called The Formula Mom, where she talks about formula feeding and safe formula preparation. So she's going to be on here talking to us about safe formula preparation. Yes. And I know some people might be like, oh my gosh, you guys are like lactation professionals. Why are you having The Formula Mom? How many of our clients that we work with are also supplementing with formula? Most of them. Yeah. Especially if they're working parents, it's really hard to do it all. Yes. Pumping is a huge commitment and God bless moms who do pumping. But I mean, I know my daughter-in-law pumps a ton, but with all of the busyness that she has working and mm-hmm. trying to work from home and trying to be a mom, you know, it's easier a couple of days a week when the baby's here to give her formula. Yeah. And mother's decisions to me if it's best for their family, should never be judged. Right. And parents should be educated about safe food preparation, no matter how they're feeding their baby. But most of the families that I work with are supplementing because milk supply is lower, baby's not able to transfer, and they deserve to know how to prepare the formula safe. Because I do get a lot of questions about that. Right. So we're going to be talking with Mallory next. Yes. Excellent. Great. Okay, I am so happy to introduce this week's guest. Mallory Whitmore is a mom of two and a contributing writer for Scary Mommy, as well as a certified infant feeding technician. Her goal is to make formula feeding less stressful while reducing guilt and shame around infant feeding choices. Thank you, Mallory, for joining us today. Thanks, Mallory. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a privilege. I appreciate it. Sure. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So prior to having my first daughter four years ago, I didn't really have any knowledge about the baby space. This was, it was totally new. And I, like most moms, I figured that I would breastfeed because that's, you know, what you're quote unquote supposed to do. Um, That's what I knew would be best for my baby. And so that's what I had planned on. I took a breastfeeding course, um, worked with some lactation consultants in the hospital after she was born And our breastfeeding journey was just really difficult from the start. She was four weeks early planned due to some pregnancy complications. She was really sleepy. She didn't have a really strong suck. My milk was delayed coming in. She lost a bunch of weight. It was really challenging. And pretty quickly, I had some postpartum depression that set in. 
for me, I think our feeding struggles really played into that. And so after a couple of weeks, both my PCP and her pediatrician basically had an intervention and said, you know, for your mental health and for your attachment with your daughter, you might want to consider switching to formula. And it was both a total relief and terrifying. I felt like a failure. I felt like, you know, my daughter was going to be doomed. I felt like I didn't know where to start with the process of picking a good formula, even though I knew that it was crucial for my mental health. And I was just really disappointed that there was no really good, high quality, easily accessible information Mm -hmm. about informed formula feeding. So I made it through the process with my daughter. I got pregnant again about two years later and was immediately stressed. Like, what am I going to do to feed this baby? And decided in consultation with so many people, again, my PCP, pediatrician, my therapist, everybody, that we would formula feed from the start with him. I just wanted, again, to create a space that had really high quality information about formula feeding because the reality is that 75% of moms will introduce formula before six months, according to the CDC. And so that's how the formula mom was born. I decided to take my experience that I had, um, the knowledge that I learned in my own research, trying to find a good formula, and then the information I gained through my certification program as an infant feeding technician and create a space where moms could get really high quality information as well as support. That's amazing. And I know that some people might be surprised that as an IVCLC and Nicole is a CLC that we are Mm -hmm. interviewing you, but I am not that kind of IVCLC. (laughs) Neither is Nicole. We don't value breastfeeding above everything else, especially Mm -hmm. mental health. I have worked with families where I've said to them, you know, maybe this isn't in the best interest Mm -hmm. of you and baby, because really what it boils down to is what good is breast milk if mom is not functioning? Right. It's not. Totally. I appreciate that so much. I really do. I think that's a really balanced approach. Mm -hmm. It's always nice to see people that work in lactation that are equally concerned with the health of the mom as well as the health of the baby. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's tough. Right. Right. And many Mm -hmm. of the people we work with, for whatever reason, can't make enough milk. And so Mm -hmm. the number one rule is always feed the baby. Always, always. Mm -hmm. And so whether those parents are, you know, if I'm supporting them with weaning to switch exclusively to Mm -hmm. formula or I'm setting them up on a plan that works for them where they're combo feeding, you know, Mm -hmm. formula definitely has its place for feeding nutrition, infant nutrition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think honestly, people don't talk about combination feeding enough. And that I know some friends personally where combination feeding has saved the breastfeeding relationship, that they have been able to continue pumping or continue nursing because, you know, supplementing with some formula sometimes takes a little bit of the pressure off, takes away Mm -hmm. some of the stress and the burden. Yeah. I appreciate you guys talking about that. Mm Yeah. 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 And you're right. A lot of parents, and when I work with, and I do work with exclusively formula feeding families too, if their Mm -hmm. babies are having like trouble taking a bottle or whatnot. But many of them had questions or if we're using formula even temporarily until mom's milk supply is up or baby's more efficient at transferring, they always have questions about like formula preparation and formula storage. It Mm -hmm. can be a little difficult to find some resources to provide, which Mm -hmm. is why I wanted to have you on today. So I would love to hear like what you usually suggest for families in terms of formula preparation and storage. 
One question that I get a lot is if the baby starts drinking the bottle as an example, Mm -hmm. but doesn't finish it, can you, I know with breast milk, you can put it back in the fridge for three Mm -hmm. hours, but what about with formula, things like that? What tips do you usually give parents? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And you're right. There's a lot of, I don't want to say misinformation, but there's a lot of information that's passed around between parents that is not necessarily safe or correct. So I typically tell parents there's a 24 to one rule. So formula that has been prepared and unused can stay in the fridge up to 24 hours. Parents typically don't realize this, that they can make a whole day's worth of formula, keep it in a pitcher in the fridge and then pour from it as needed and warm it up if they desire. So 24 hours in the fridge, if it's prepared and unused two hours if it's prepared and unused at room temperature. So if you're going to a restaurant, you want to prepare a bottle ahead of time, you can take it with you as long as you use it within two hours if it's at room temp. And then it's only good for one hour after it has touched the baby's lips. So if they've had some to drink, they didn't finish it. Unfortunately, you have to toss it just because of the risk of bacteria growth from the baby's mouth. Gotcha. Is that one hour room temperature or fridge? Like, let's say they did expect the baby to finish the bottle within the hour. Do Mm -hmm. they have to put it in the fridge or can they just leave it? They can leave it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Another question that we had is we see a lot of families using like um, distilled water or bottled Mm -hmm. water. Do you find that necessary that they use like a special water or do you recommend tap water being okay? Or what is your guidance on that? Yeah. So the AAP recommends boiled water because boiled water is sterile and powder formula is actually not sterile. While that's the official recommendation, um, I always consult parents to talk to their pediatrician about whether that level of precaution is actually necessary. Most likely for most babies, uh, if you're living in a developed country, if you have tap water that's safe enough for you personally to drink, it's safe enough for your baby. If you have a baby that's a preemie or is otherwise immunocompromised, you probably do want to boil the water just for extra precaution. If parents want to use bottled water, which is what I personally did with my kids, I always recommend distilled water over spring. Spring water has additional minerals in it that can just throw off the balance of the minerals that babies are supposed to receive that are already in the formula. And I never recommend nursery water. Number one, it's more expensive. It's a total marketing ploy. And number two, it often includes fluoride and babies don't need that much additional fluoride. Right. Good point. I've never heard of people using nursery water. Is that a common thing? It is. They sell it in the formula aisle. It's called nursery water. It says baby water, water for mixing formula. And it's not necessary. You can just get bottles or gallons of distilled. Right. I'm a huge fan of not making things more complicated. Seriously. Seriously. We're spending more ridiculous amounts of money too. I know. And I talked to parents, especially after six months and parents are giving their babies tap water to drink in a straw cup or in a sippy cup. And then they're still using boiled water for their formula. (laughs) No. You know, if you're already using the tap water for them to drink, there's nothing that's going to react with the formula that's going to make it any less safe uh, right. that way. So, yeah, yeah, that's when you're overcomplicated. kind of focusing on like the letter of the guidelines mm-hmm. rather than the intention behind the guidelines. For sure. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah, for sure. What is the basic difference between um, powdered and liquid anyway mm-hmm. for formula? 
Yeah, great question. So there are a couple of differences. And this is a great time to point out that all formulas have to meet the same level of macronutrients and micronutrients, regardless of the brand, regardless if they're generic, if they're powder, if they're ready to feed, if they're concentrate. All formulas are going to have the same amount of macronutrients, carbs, protein, and fat, and then micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals. So parents don't need to worry about that. The main difference between powdered formula and liquid formula is that liquid formula is sterile. Powdered formula is not. Liquid formula tends to include stabilizers and emulsifiers. Some parents prefer to avoid this. It's just extra ingredients, not quite as simple and clean as what you'll find in powdered formula. Powdered formula also can include probiotics and other bioactive ingredients because it's not sterile. The sterilization process kills anything that is a bioorganism. So uh, powdered formulas can have probiotics and other things like that because they're not sterile. Ultimately, it's up to parents. Some parents really like the convenience of ready-to-feed formulas. They like that they don't have to mix with shaking bottles, which can increase gas. Mm -hmm. Some parents like the convenience of just throwing the powder, you know, in their suitcase and going and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always understood that the liquid formula was recommended for the first two months. Versus powdered formula because the powdered formula isn't sterile. Is that like a current recommendation? It's definitely recommended for the first month. And you'll see, especially in the hospital, they will never offer you powdered formula in the hospital for that exact reason. And so that's something really I always advise parents if they are wanting to bring their own formula to the hospital, if they're planning to exclusively formula feed from day one, that they have to bring a ready to feed because the hospital won't let them use a powdered. Most infants, again, who are full term and aren't immunocompromised will do just fine on a powdered formula, even from the start. But uh, if you want to be serious about those precautions, yes, they recommend a ready to feed at the beginning. I have another question, if I can really quick, if you could talk to us about the major differences between formulas, people are always asking, Mm -hmm. which one, how do I know? So if you could give us some (laughs) guidance for that. Absolutely. It's so tough. I need to do an official count. To me, it feels like there are maybe 300 different formulas. I know. It is. It be so confusing. Yes. And like I said, they all have the same nutrient profile. And so that can be a bit confusing. So what's different among formulas is the ingredients that they use to provide those nutrients. So all formulas are going to have protein, fat, carbs. Where they pull that protein or where they pull those carbs varies widely based on the ingredients that they use. So in terms of protein, you're generally going to have formulas that use either cow's milk protein as the base or soy protein isolate. In Europe, you'll actually find some formulas that use goat milk uh, protein as the base. Any of those are fine. Generally, what I recommend, if you're looking for a formula that is as similar in composition to breast milk as possible, and keeping in mind that there are absolutely components in breast milk that can't be replicated, specifically antibodies and hormones and other bioactive components. But if you're looking for one as similar as possible, you always want to find a formula that uses lactose as the carb source, because lactose is the carbohydrate source in breast milk. Especially in the US, a lot of formulas will use sucrose, which is table sugar, corn syrup or corn syrup solids. If you can avoid that, please, please avoid that. We know that babies are physiologically and biologically designed to digest lactose because that's what's in breast milk. And so we want to give them lactose as the carb source if you can. Do you Number see two, making notes over here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate this. And the thing is, 
people don't know this. There's no information. Right. And especially, I mean, it's unfortunate that our pediatricians and our hospitals have contracts and agreements in place with formula companies. And so a lot of the information that you get from professionals that you want to be able to trust, their information is biased because they have those agreements in place. And so true. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. So number one rule, if you can look for a formula that uses lactose. Number two is cow's milk has a much different whey to casein protein ratio than breast milk. Breast milk has much more whey protein. So if you want a formula that's similar to breast milk, you want to find one that has added whey, one that has whey near the top of the ingredients list. That's going to make it easier to digest and again, make it more similar to the ingredient profile of breast milk. So lactose, added whey, and then I always suggest formulas that have ARA and DHA, which are essential fatty acids, also found in breast milk, and then formulas that have probiotics, which are also found in breast milk. So mm -hmm. those are my four criteria. I have an infant, I call it the formula mom's guide to high quality formulas that I give out constantly. That's just basically my curated list of formulas that I recommend based on formulas for brand new babies, formulas who have sensitive tummies, formulas who have milk protein intolerance, because it's truly hard to know. It's hard to know. And your pediatrician, unfortunately, is not always going to have the best information. Sure. Right. And a lot of the families just go home and just use whatever formula oh, that the absolutely. hospital has given them. Yeah. Or whatever has shown up in their mailbox. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever they have coupons for. If a family yeah. has been formula feeding and is just finding out this now and wants mm -hmm. to switch to a formula like the ones you're describing, mm -hmm. how do you usually recommend that they do that? Right. Yeah. Great question. So first I'll say that I tell parents every day that the best formula is the one that's working for their baby. So if they're on a formula, their baby's doing well, they're growing along a healthy curve, they're not having digestive symptoms, they should stick with that formula, even if the ingredients, they're not so sure about them. If they want to switch, then absolutely they should switch. But if it's working for them, if they feel comfortable, they don't need to switch just because me, an expert on the internet, says that they should. <laughs> if it's working for them and they feel great about it, they should keep it. If they want to switch and they're not dealing with an allergy to the existing formula, I recommend a gradual switch. And basically that just means decreasing the ratio of the existing formula and increasing the ratio of the new formula by 25% every two-ish days. So 75% of the old formula with 25% of the new formula for two or three days, 50-50 for two or three days. 25% old formula, 75% new formula for two or three days until they're on the full new formula about a week later. Mm -hmm. It's also important, and I tell this to parents all the time, it's easy for parents to think that if something is, quote, wrong with their baby, that it's the formula, and if they switch it, it's going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys see this in the breastfeeding world, too, mm -hmm. that there are so many causes of gas or constipation or reflux. And it's not necessarily always something that they're taking in. It's not necessarily dairy in the breast milk, or it's not necessarily dairy in the formula. And switching too often or too frequently, uh, their formula can make symptoms worse. So I always tell parents, you've got to try a formula for at least two weeks before you really assess if it's a fit or not. Mm -hmm. Because babies have just immature little digestive systems. And if we switch too much, it makes things worse. And it, it can take them a while to acclimate. Sure. Huh. Yeah, I imagine that would cause a, a tummy upset to go back and forth. Yeah. Times. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
I've noticed a trend with clients and with in moms mm-hmm. groups where European formulas are becoming mm-hmm. very popular. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's tough because on the one hand, any formula that you get in the US is the single most stringently regulated item that you can buy. So the formulas that we have here are safe, they're functional, they include the nutrients that infants need to grow along a healthy developmental curve. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with US formula. There are some advantages to European formula that are important to some parents. So for example, European formulas do not allow corn syrup or corn syrup solids to be used. They don't allow sucrose, table sugar, to be used for more than 30% of the carb source. They allow goat milk protein as the protein base, where the U.S. does not allow goat milk protein. And goat milk is actually much more similar in composition to breast milk in terms of that weight to casein protein ratio than cow's milk is. They have higher standards in terms of lack of any detectable pesticide residues. So for some parents, that higher level of regulation is important. The flip side, and what you give up if you decide to import a European formula, is it's hard to know what the storage and the transportation process looks like. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get the same level of information if there's a recall. Uh, It's much more expensive. The sellers of European formula there's not the same level of accountability because they don't report to the FDA. I tell parents it's just based on what is important to them and what their priorities are. So if that extra level of regulation is important and they're not overly concerned about the lack of oversight that can exist, then they should do that. If they prefer the convenience of something they can pick up at Kroger, absolutely they should do that. There's no such thing as a bad formula in the sense that Every formula that you can buy, whether it's U.S. or European, is safe and includes the nutrients that a baby needs. So it really just comes down to priorities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I fed my first daughter with a conventional U.S. formula. I fed my second, my son, with a European formula. And that was just because that's what worked for them. I tried the U.S. formula that I fed my daughter on my son. And it did not work for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can do either. You can do a mix. It's whatever works for you and your family. Sure. I have had some clients who did choose to use a goat's milk-based mm-hmm. formula, and they did find that their babies tolerated it better. Mm-hmm. I had no research to I had mm-hmm. heard that, yes, goat's milk is closer to breast milk mm-hmm. in terms of composition, but mm-hmm. I didn't have any research or anything to back that up. So when they always yeah. ask me about it, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I always refer back to the pediatrician, but yeah. the ones who did try the goat's milk base did feel like mm-hmm. their babies tolerated it better. Yeah. So here's actually some insider information, which people don't realize and is really helpful. So one of the reasons why goat's milk is tolerated more easily is because the primary protein in goat's milk is A2 beta casein protein. And A2 protein is less allergenic than the A1 beta casein protein in cow's milk. It's just the proteins are smaller, easier to digest, less allergenic. Formula companies, specifically Gerber and Famil and Similac, are now producing A2 formulas. So formulas that are cow's milk based, but only include that A2 beta casein protein. So it's essentially their way of getting around the fact that the U.S. will not, for some reason, allow goat's milk formulas. It's a great new option for babies that are sensitive to milk protein, but don't have an actual allergy. So great thing to recommend if you have a family that are interested 
in a goat milk formula, but they don't want to import. Um, these new A2 formulas are a great option that gives the same sort of gentler protein as you would find in a goat milk formula. What would the parents want to look for on the label to mm-hmm. know if it's an A2 formula? It'll little, it, excuse me, it will literally say Gerber A2, Similac A2. Okay. That's fascinating. Yeah. And these just started coming out in like July of this year. So it's a oh, wow. really new option. Okay. Which is exciting because there hasn't been a ton of new (laughs) innovation in the formula space for a long time. So Mm -hmm. it's new. People don't know about it, but it's an exciting development for sure. Which is interesting because you think, you know, if we're feeding such a vulnerable population, this formula, that there would be all the time new developments and new Mm -hmm. leaps in research. Yeah. And I think honestly, that's just a testament to how sort of magical and mysterious breast milk is that, you know, they've been trying for a really long time to figure out how to distill and and pull apart and recreate and remake all of those properties. And it's difficult because it, it truly is an incredible, incredible substance. So we're getting closer. The formula manufacturers are, um, but there's still a long ways to go sometimes. Mm-hmm. What other things would you want families to know um, if they're choosing to formula feed or combo feed? Oh gosh, there's so much. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think there there are two pieces to it. There's the logistical piece in terms of how do I pick the right formula? You know, Mm -hmm. you should always add the water first and then the powder. You should stir when you can instead of shake um, because it reduces bubbling, which can cause gas. So there's all those sort of logistical things, even, you know, you can keep it in the fridge for 24 hours. But then there's also this huge piece that's really sort of mental and emotional, Mm -hmm. where families feel a lot of guilt and shame. They have been fed these really cherry picked or misinterpreted data points about how formula is going to make their babies dumb or give them allergies or whatever else. And I would say, number one, that they're not alone, that the research shows us for better or for worse, and I'm not you know, trying to make a judgment call about the stat, just providing the stat, that the great majority of families will use formula before their baby turns one. But people don't realize that because no one talks about it, right? And because people are ashamed. So everybody feels like they're alone when in reality, we're all alone together, not realizing that you know someone is just in the other room having the same experience. So in terms of that emotional and mental piece, I want them to know they're not alone, Mm -hmm. that the research is clear that while there are some short-term and long-term benefits to breastfeeding, that they are not going to harm their baby by Mm -hmm. introducing formula. Mm -hmm. They're not going to ruin their baby's life. They're not going to doom them. They're not going to knock 20 points off their IQ. Um, That the most important thing that you can give your baby is a happy, healthy mom. And if formula feeding allows you to be an engaged mom, allows you to create a secure attachment with your child because you're not dealing with PPD, allows you to, as personally as a mom, live a more fulfilling life because you can go to work, then that is worth so much more than the antibodies Mm -hmm. in your breast milk. And I think that's hard. That's hard for families who have been told over and over that breast milk is best for their baby. And I absolutely agree that breast milk is the optimal and ideal first food for an infant if that works for your family. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, that the best thing you can give is a happy mom. And also that there are so many ways that you can bond with your baby, even if you're not nursing, that you can still do skin to skin. 
that you can still rock your baby to sleep, but that your baby still recognizes your smell and recognizes your voice and that all of those things still exist outside of the nursing relationship and that you can still have that experience. Right. Absolutely. I work with families that they cannot make milk for whatever physical reason and they dry nurse and it is their favorite thing ever. I had one family, she dry nursed for over a year and she emailed Mm -hmm. me you know, she would just dry nurse the baby and then give the baby a bottle mm-hmm. of formula. And she emailed me and she's like, I come home from work and she runs up to me with her arms up mm-hmm. and we snuggle on the couch and she dry nurses. And then she, get, and it's like, it, it, so we become such a culture of all or nothing in or mm-hmm. out that like you said earlier, parents don't realize that if you need to do both, like if for whatever mm-hmm. reason you need to supplement the formula, you don't mm-hmm. have to do all formula. You don't have no. to do breast milk if it's not working mm-hmm. for you for whatever reason. There are, you know, mm-hmm. there are many, 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 many reasons why breastfeeding mm-hmm. might not work out for a specific family. <laughs> sure. um, if there, you know, if breastfeeding was easy, I wouldn't have a job. That's mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. and I would say, you know, the majority of my families that I work with are giving formula or supplementing mm-hmm. at least temporarily sometimes mm-hmm. permanently and that's okay. And this whole, I, I really think that too, like social media mm-hmm. has made this worse. Um, yeah. And some part it's the message from the medical community, but other mm-hmm. parts it's the division on the mom's groups mm-hmm. and it's the social media posts of, you know, freezers full of pumped milk. And mm-hmm. it doesn't look like that for every family. You're only seeing right. the good side mm-hmm. on social media. Um, right. We just need to stop beating each other up for the, our parenting mm-hmm. choices. Like, and it goes with any aspect of parenting: parents who co-sleep, parents who put their babies mm-hmm. in the crib, you know, parents who nurse out in public. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of over it. <laughs> I don't want like everybody well, to just support each other. It's so true, and I can't think of anything else that we talk about as parents where we say that one single choice is best for every child in every situation. I mean, there are cultural factors and environmental factors and biological factors and mental factors and emotional factors. I mean, it's like saying every three-year-old should wear a size 11 shoe. I mean, there are so many factors at play and truly what's best is whatever works for your family, Mm -hmm. especially because formula is a safe and functional option. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that we've really missed the mark and we, I mean, society have missed the mark in trusting moms and trusting women that they know what's right for them and what's right for their families. Mm-hmm. And that we can trust them to make informed choices and we can trust them to make choices where they have evaluated the pros and cons and decided that that evaluation works for them, that they're willing to accept those pros and cons because that's what what makes sense for their family. Mm-hmm. I'm also big on the idea that we can give support without giving advice. And I see that so much in social media. Someone will come out and they're vulnerable and they've said, you know, I've decided, we've decided to move to formula. I had a really great breastfeeding relationship, but we've decided this is best for us. And then someone will put in the comment, all of this advice about how they can salvage the breastfeeding relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a difference between people who are asking for advice and asking for help and people who are asking support. And I think we need to get to a place where we're taking a more critical eye for what people are asking for and giving them what they're asking for and not necessarily providing 
unsolicited advice. Exactly. I 100% agree. Great. Um, Mm -hmm. Mallory, where can people find you? If they want to get in contact with you or learn more about you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram and TikTok at the formula mom. I am currently working on a website, so it's not up yet. Uh, It will eventually be theformulamom.com. But for now, I encourage people to go to my Instagram, click the link in my bio. They can get the Formula Moms guide there to the formulas that I recommend, as well as some of my favorite formula feeding products, things that make your life easier if you're formula feeding, as well as some other resources, blog posts that I like, and research studies that are important and all of that. So definitely check me out on Instagram at The Formula Mom. Click that link in bio for all my other resources. Perfect. And I will link to those in the show notes as well. Okay, perfect. You can just click on it. Thank you so much for joining us. I actually learned a lot. I took all these I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad. That's my my whole deal is to just try to create, create spaces for people to learn more about formula. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTapIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTapIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.